Welcome to the Screen and Needle podcast. Join Will, Mark and Andy, as they talk about a random selection of movies and albums and then assign an arbitrary numerical rating to them. Ooh, compelling stuff. My name is Will Holden, and today I am joined by Andy Melbourne. How are you, sir? Uh, tech issues aside, I'm all good, thanks. Excellent. And I'm also joined by Mark Wall. How are you, sir? Yeah, tech issues aside, I'm all good, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and my wonky internet also. Uh, but all the other problems in my life have melted away, other than, other than just pure tech ones. Oh, the podcast does that to a man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a I'm a man free of free of guilt or burden, but my internet's shit. So ultimately, it's a negative. Today, though, uh, while we have the power to do so, we're here to talk about uh, a film and an album. Uh, these were my choices, and we'll start as ever with the film. Uh, it is 2017's Get Out, uh, directed by Jordan Peele and written by Jordan Peele, starring Daniel Kaluuya. Bradley Whitford, Alison Williams, Catherine Keener, uh, Marcus Henderson, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, and many others. Uh, and the blurb reads, a young African-American visits his white girlfriend's parents for the weekend, where his simmering uneasy, uneasiness about their reception of him eventually reaches a boiling point. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> We hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. Do you smoke in front of my daughter? I'm gonna quit. She'd take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. Are you ready for this? I'm back in the D. So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see no brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Bros, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Bros, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose. Sink into the floor. I saw Nope like quite recently, um, and it was the first Jordan Peele film that I've seen of his, uh, and liked it a lot. So when it came to picking a film, um, I went through my Netflix Netflix to watch list, and Get Out was on there, uh, and I'd not seen it before, so. That justified my pick. Unseen in the middle. Yeah. You seen us? I have, yeah. 
I guess we'll get into this first, but I'd be interested to see how you rank the yeah, three. Yeah, give us your full review then. How was it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait. No, we won't. Uh, <laughs> um, ultimately, I like this quite a bit. Uh, I think it kind of both met and slightly exceeded some of my expectations of um, Jordan Peele's film. Knowing it was his first outing, uh, I kind of I, I didn't set it with too high an expectation, thinking that it was... Uh, necessarily going to be as kind of well developed as i think nope was and i think to some degree that played out but as a kind of creeping horror type story um with like quite clear and obvious a sort of uh, race relation overtones uh, as its backbone to be honest it kind of kept me guessing most of the way through to actually what the what the situation was um, I think Daniel Kaluuya's performance um, was was really good, and I think he's typically really good. He's uh, again somebody I think I've only really seen in Jordan Peele films at that point, so two films. Yeah, I dug it. I think um, it is not a sort of perfect film. I think it's kind of a bit unpolished, and having seen Nope, seen him in the wrong order, I guess. Um, I think it shows he's come quite away in in three films in terms of the the craft of making films, but I enjoyed this plenty. Yeah, there's there's far more scope to nope. He's he's definitely like sort of mastered the spectacle aspect, which less so I think in Get Out it is a smaller film, um, blatantly lower budget. Blaney's debut and everything. I'd seen it once before years ago and thought it was, you know, pretty damn good. Uh, I still think it's quite good. I think it's well solid. Um, I don't think it was as good as the first time. And yeah, it, it slightly dropped uh, for me on a rewatch several years on. But there's still loads to recommend about it. And to be honest, I'm most interested in the the horror fan uh, and his uh, view. Uh, yeah, I um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think Jordan Peele's someone who I like as a person. I also like I've heard him in interviews. Like I heard him on the Smartless podcast probably about a month ago. Um, and it's real interesting when he's like talking about film as well, kind of film generally, not just his. So I'd kind of talk myself around that I really should watch some like Jordan Peele films. Uh, so I wasn't going into it reluctantly, even though it was a a horror film. I'd also kind of heard that it was like um, that it had like social aspects to it, and that it was like sort of bit of a thriller as well, um, which. I think it is to a point, but the horror is the defining genre of it. Agreed, agreed. Um, I don't, I don't think it sticks everything for me. Um, and the last third of the, well, not even the last third, the final act of the film, which is the most kind of out and out like horror bit of it, is kind of. It's really good at like ramping up that energy, but I have 
some like criticisms of it that I think are just down to the things I don't really like about horror and not really specific to the film. It's more the genre, but um, but yeah, there's there's tons of stuff that it does really well, like that kind of um, the 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 like sort of undertones of a bit sort of an unsettling world is uh is really well like drawn in this and, and yeah the performances are really good as well i don't get the score relatively highly but I, i'm not jumping to masterpiece levels or anything it's not, it's not won me over the horror genre can i ask you that that kind of um sort of downturn in the final third and you say obviously because of like your your general sort of distaste for for horror stuff is it from like a displeasure of what horror is about like trying to scare you or is it that like the the last third kind of the reveal is the most unbelievable is it's asking you to make the biggest sort of leap yeah it's it's, the film it's that one more than anything else there are definitely some things about horror that i don't like like i have no tolerance for like gore or but this film doesn't really do that that much. I, I don't mind. Story. I don't. I don't really mind like jump, jump scares and things like that particularly. But yeah, gore I really dislike. But it doesn't exist much in this. It's the odd moment. Um, but yeah, it's those sort of leaps of faith where you. It takes me out a little bit. I think like there's moments where I think, why would the character react in this way? Yeah. And even though, like, there's sort of a logic within the film as to why they've reacted with that way, I still don't buy it. The, I, I kind of get that. There are certain things that have to happen in horror for it to... Yeah, the biggest example, I think, like, we don't need to jump into too much detail straight away, but, like, the like right at the end when he hits the, like, the grandma um, slash servant um, with his car... And I understand that they're drawing this like narrative between like when he didn't go and like where he's sitting watching TV and his mum's being hit by a car and like he's not there to save her. I, I get the narrative, but it just doesn't. He's so scared in that moment when he's trying to like leave the house and he's trying to get his girlfriend to find the car keys that I don't understand. Surely the. I feel like the fight or flight like response would just immediately take over there. Like you, you, there's no way anyone's stopping to help out this like person who's clearly part of the like group that has held you captive. <laughs> I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that kind of B plot line of him not not doing anything and his mother dying doesn't quite land. I think it doesn't quite have a as uh, sort of good a climax as it wants to in this film. I agree. I think um, I kind of know where you're coming from. I don't necessarily agree that it's the last third where the horror hits because I think that's kind of played as catharsis, really. It's almost celebrationary, like his kind of escape and the the violence against all his perpetrators. And it's also kind of balanced against like all the comedy moments with his mate which is a little bit I'm not entirely sure that that works because it it lightens the tone so much it kind of makes a bit of a joke out of the whole thing I feel like which is fine because it's entertaining and I do find that guy funny 
but I just feel like, yeah, just tonally, I don't know if it entirely gels. But certainly, I didn't. I didn't necessarily think that ending was. I I would say the strongest sort of horror stuff is is before that, really, and it's all the build up and all the mystery and. Yeah, you know, I, I I agree with that. I don't disagree at all. Like like I say, like the whole film from very early on has this kind of unsettling feeling to it. Like that is the the, the full build. I kind of mean the 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 sort of energy release after all that build i don't I, it, I guess it's explicitly horror as opposed to kind of it's um, more tropey isn't it at that point yeah i can yeah, understand I that it goes from being a believably creepy almost stereotypical situation of a young black man visiting a clearly wealthy white american family and despite them trying to be polite like just getting everything wrong and almost overcompensating for a desire to to you know play up their lack of racism when it comes to the reveal like that is much more of the science fictiony speculative fiction side of horror so i can understand where that might leave you at the shore and that's the bit that that you can't quite get over to to be clear though like it 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 needed that as a film. Like, it can't sort of build all this tension and then not... I guess it could build all that tension and not really go anywhere and just keep that suspense sort of through. That's, like... It could have done things a bit more... I don't know. Like, it... it I mean, we never kind of care about spoilers before, so it could have gone a different direction than the idea of, like, literally planting your brain into a into a fresh body. That kind of pseudoscience element to it um i think it could have gone a different way and been more realistic but and I kind of to mark well sorry go on no, no right to reply you <laughs> it was also to mark's point about it the, the sort of tonal shift um i think that's absolutely true but i like that and i like that as a, an occasional element of horror that it can mix in a kind of goofiness uh and I don't think Get Out kind of sacrifices on its horror for that sake. Uh, I liked the kind of light reprieves you get from what is increasingly just a creeping tension in the situation, either from, like you say, the, the cringeworthy attempts to be uh, as unracist as possible to the like actual outward hypnosis and control. And uh, when you meet Lakeith Stanfield, and he is acting incredibly strange without kind of explanation. All of that, I think, builds into a really good atmosphere throughout the film. And I'm actually kind of grateful for the, those few moments you get to spend uh, when he's talking to his kind of dumb mate. Who's uh, I don't, I don't disagree with that really. I just think it's it, it probably does make it slightly more unique because I feel it's definitely playing in that. Wickerman subgenre, which Midsummer also does, and even like um, it's not horror film per se, but uh, the I'm thinking of ending things. I'm kind of a sucker for that setup where it's just a person in an environment where it initially seems okay, and then the more and more it goes along, it reveals it is very much not okay. I just like that as a thing. 
Yeah, it's why the trailer of I'm Thinking of Ending Things looks so good. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it definitely... I, I don't have a problem with it either. I just it, it would have been potentially interesting to to see it sort of play it straighter, I suppose. But yeah, uh, you mentioned it already. But yeah, the the main selling point is uh, Kalua or Kaluya, whatever his name is. I think he's he's really good. He kind of carries the film. Really, there's there's several other people I like in it. Your boy, the keeper, is decent, but I think there's a few that are a few really. I think the performances are really strong in it. Yeah, I think Lakeith's really good, but he doesn't. He doesn't have a lot of screen time. Um, I think both of the parents. Yeah, uh, I think Brad, Bradley but, Whitford and Catherine Keener. Yeah, I think particularly Catherine mm-hmm. Keener. I think is uh, is excellent. Like the um, the kind of the scene when he like comes in from having a cigarette outside and. Um, yeah, I, I to be clear, I'm not, the support cast is great. I'm just saying he carries the film in the in the respect that I think he's pretty much in ninety percent of it, other than the cutaways to his to his mate. Yeah, he's yeah, course, pretty much yeah. in every scene, and I think he just he's that good at like portraying a whole bunch of different emotions. It really ties it all together. But, yeah, I think like. Um... Whatever name is he plays Rose is um is excellent as well. Like particularly mm-hmm. I really like the um like the Stanford wide like switch bit. Such like, a good switch that. Yeah. Um which I didn't like I, I was sort of watching it like you will and trying to like work out what was happening a bit going on. I never really considered that as an option and I don't know why. Like it wasn't that I didn't like I literally never thought about it, never sort of crossed my mind. So that came as a complete like surprise to me. Having I think said- she's well written. I think I think um her responses to Daniel Kalu's character uh, feel genuine and it feels like she's on his yeah. side all, all the way through. I, I think that the actual overarching plot, like you kind of there's that like extra element, isn't there, of um of the fact that they're kind of using lobotomy <laughs> like yeah aside from that you're kind of almost immediately given a kind of suggestion like when he's talking on the phone to his friend a kind of suggestion of what's happening and that is what's happening like i said that the mum's like brainwashing people and i i sort of wonder whether that's going to be a red herring that he's going to take you somewhere else but it doesn't it just sort of adds one extra like element on top of that i, I didn't mind it at all but it doesn't have a twist really like it just it follows the path that it sort of y- your first guess is the right guess yeah i mean uh, i was kind of on the, the right sort of track but it was the as you say the full kind of the method involved and the the literally living inside other people's bodies and so uh, but yeah I, I i otherwise agree with you okay. i really enjoyed the kind of the bidding scene as well I yeah, yeah it's really when cool they go, when they go down to the they've gone down to the river and everybody else is like sat outside and this is this like silent auction going on it's great i think it is interesting on a on a rewatch is it rose she's called yeah, watching her more from the start, knowing 
what the actual truth is. And there are like one or two moments which are very subtle where it does kind of lead you down that road. But it is is it's cleverly done. And I also like the um like the blind guy in the uh, garden party who seems like genuinely even even I'd forgotten that he was sort of part of it. And uh yeah, I was like, ah, oh, there's there's at least one good guy here. He seems all right. And again, he's he's not. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think there's a, a light Brooklyn Nine Nine connection. It's uh, both Bradley Whitford and Stephen Root, the blind guy, uh, were in Brooklyn Nine Nine, and Jordan Peele is married to Chelsea Palmiotti. Oh, is he? Oh, nice. Yeah. So I think uh, some numbers were passed. Hmm. Few, uh, few cheap, cheap guys in. Uh, I think Jordan Peele, particularly in in Nope, the other film I've seen, uh, is really good at, at putting in not only kind of layers, but also like quite fun, like Easter eggs that mm-hmm. he builds into his film. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Andy, like he's really super enthusiastic about film, and when you listen to him talk, it's really easy to get caught up in that enthusiasm with him. So to see it on the film on on the screen and. Uh, like I say, I have only watched this once, but I'd definitely be up for seeing this a second time and trying to spot those things. You're absolutely right, Andy. Like, they tell you the plot from the beginning and it plays it out. But by the end of the film, I'd forgotten that that was the case. Like, it, it the fact that he basically said what was going to happen seemed at the time like a throwaway joke, and I just sort of filed it away. Um, but when you mentioned it, I thought, yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. <laughs> I don't think... The, the kind of like like racial sort of allegory entirely landed for me either because at, at the end of the day it's not it sort of worked for me right up to the reveal mm-hmm. like it's, it's such an important part of the film and it is what kind of creates that like unsettling nature that 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 sort of it's not it's not racism in a like um it's that less like barbaric sort of racism but just like casual racism under yeah it's not from a place of white power yeah it's of a like you are different because you're a different skin color to me yeah and and almost treating them like cattle like they talk about that yeah not only a kind of is a black people popular at the moment in their eyes but also they are like considered fit and and strong and animalistic in that way that's how they're described that's it basically they're they're basically saying their physical capacities are you know what they want but yeah the they are effectively disposable like mentally in in a sense it's it's a weird uh yeah, I, I I was struggling a little bit to follow it. I, I think it's interesting. I think it's a a cool angle to take. It's not just outright they are racist, but it's almost they want the best of both worlds. Well, I don't even know how to describe it. But... Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is kind of still racist. It's just not you know lynching somebody or. But it is from a kind of less than human standpoint. I, I mean, my mind went down more of a like straightforward. Um, sort of slavery allegory where I thought they were mm-hmm. literally just lobotomizing black people and hypnotizing them to to 
be their companions and and slaves in, in effect okay I, I guess so yeah that that sort of makes more logical sense i didn't really piece mm. that together too much it just sort of felt that by the reveal that it sort of wasn't important anymore like yes they are kind of like choosing the people specifically because they're black but like that it's just a sort of method of choosing for them like the main point is is that they're kind of taking people and lobotomizing them like the guy (laughs) the guy who's literally going to is it daniel sorry the main guy uh sorry chris chris um the guy who's going to get like chris's body literally wants to he wants him for his eyes, essentially. Like, yeah, that's no, right. Yeah. He has no vision. He has no interest at all. And it's kind of, it, for him, it, if it was a white guy who was a photographer with like his, his kind of vision and stuff, then mm-hmm. that would be absolutely irrelevant, which was a kind of weird way to take it, I felt. Like, it, I don't, mm. I just didn't feel like it totally stuck the landing. I, I, just saying the kind of slavery thing actually pulls it that together a bit more than I than I kind of had when I was watching it I guess but I I, I do see what you mean like the the central conceit seems to become less clear and obvious as to its motivation as yeah as the film progresses but um, I don't know whether there's some kind of implication of just like oh they you know they won't be missed no one will notice they don't matter kind of thing I'm, I'm sure that's definitely definitely a part of it yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, the, the more we're talking about it, the more I'm talking myself out of that point, to be honest. Um, no, I, I think it's... But it did... I, I think it's a fair one. It's it's not... It's it's not black and white. <laughs> like, it's... It's... Yeah. It, it suggested it would be a more kind of, I don't know, on-the-nose uh, racial story than it perhaps was. Yeah. But I think I think it's plenty there, and... Again, I think that's part of what I like about Jordan Peele and his films. I think they they do Definitely. have layers. They they are more complicated than they often seem on the surface. And he takes mm-hmm. something as genre as horror, and I think it, well, again, in the two films I've seen, manages to elevate them in both instances to something I don't know, sort of greater than their than their substance. Yeah, I, I think so. With that said, are we ready to score it up? Yeah. Anybody want to volunteer or is it my duty? I'll go first if you like. Go ahead. Uh, seven. Strong seven. Strong seven for me because um, I've certainly never rated a horror film that highly on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. There are things that I like that definitely cross over into horror. It's not completely black and white. I just I need some other element in there and this film had other elements and yeah it didn't entirely stick the landing on everything for me but there's uh there's so much good about it i really like that that feeling of it's what i like about thrillers when you're kind of watching something and you there isn't a strong reason for you to sort of feel that sort of suspense and unsettling but the film kind of creates it um and yeah if it stuck the landing on a couple of bits it would have scored a little bit higher but it was still very enjoyable watch uh so yeah, strong seven. Um, well, mine's gonna be very, very quick. It's essentially all of those same things, but very slightly more. I'm gonna give it a, a strong eight. Um, 
I'm becoming fast a, a fan of Jordan Peele um, and just his style of filmmaking. And I think this feels a bit unpolished compared to Nope, having seen that. Um, and I can't help but rate them sort of against each other. So uh, not quite a, like a nine or ten, not as you say, not the masterpiece level, but good strong eight for me. Yeah, I'm in the Andy Camp strong seven. If we did halves, it would be a 7.5, but we don't. And I'm closer to a seven than an eight. So decent score, decent film. I just think he gets better. And it is that comparison, Will, you're right. It's just having seen Nope now, I just, I mean, that Nope might be a nine for me, possibly. I'd have to see it again. So really like the guy and it's a really good start. But yeah, I didn't like it as much the second time around beautiful but still decent scores all around we do an album we should do an album uh so that album is uh citizen of class by agnes obel 2016 it has 10 songs and is a measly 40 minutes and 56 seconds long across this album because I had uh, I think it was the end, about this time last year I'd just come off the end of watching Dark and her songs are all over that um, and managed to just track her down by finding the, the uh, soundtrack to Dark and working backwards from there turns out Agnes Obel's pretty well known on the uh, on the continent as they say um, but she hasn't quite made the divide over here um, and at the time, particularly riding on how much I liked uh, Dark, sort of fell into this album and listened to it quite a lot. Um, challenged for a choice last week. didn't really have a lot on my plate, so I threw it out there. Uh, but I must admit, straight off the bat, my, uh, my appreciation of it has waned. Ouch. Has um, waned since... The re-listen for the podcast or was on the way before you picked it? I think it probably already was. Um, I came across this album at the same uh, holiday to Barcelona as the um, Richard Dawson album. So obviously I ended up picking Richard Dawson as an an actual choice at the time. And this sort of sat on the back burner and uh, I hadn't listened to it. Very similar albums, so... <laughs> yeah, I'm, a, I'm an eclectic. That's a, that's a productive holiday, right there, isn't it? And that's quite two two albums from quite different spheres. Yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, the playlist Spotify tried to make me can't, can't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but I, yeah, so I, I didn't listen to it a lot since then, but I had a kind of very fond appreciation for it. And, and listening to it again, I don't think this is terrible by any means. Like I like her voice uh, for the most part. Um, I kind of like the general sound of most of the songs and there are definitely probably five-ish songs that kind of stand out to me as the better half of the album. Um, although it's not split like down the middle, one half and the other. Um, but the problem comes, uh, one criticism that we kind of level quite a lot is it is all the same and it doesn't really attempt to change style or tone throughout the album, which isn't always a problem. But I also think like in, in a lot of places, the, just the choices are quite, um, I don't want to say cowardly, but I don't think unbrave is a word either. I think it's quite, it's all quite safe. That's, that's a better way of saying it. Um, and I can't remember which track it is. Is it Grasshopper? I think is the, the instrumental track track, like the opportunity to show some sort of chops in melody writing and harmony and having these strings and piano led things. And it's kind of none of that. Um, so I think where it, where it shines for me is in individual moments and individual songs on the album. But I think as a full album, um, I think it, it gets a little bit boring by the end. Yeah, I, uh, I struggle with it quite a lot, despite the fact that it's kind of within my wheelhouse. Um, I think it's very much a like, I think the things that I'm going to, criticisms isn't the right thing. I think the negatives that I have for it is essentially not being what I want it to be rather than it being um, something that she's kind of specifically done. <laughs> like wrong is a ridiculous way to phrase yeah. it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I know, like, I know. It's, um, it's a real like mood album. Like I could see myself going back and it being the perfect album for a specific time. <laughs> If that makes sense. And I can never see myself listening to one singular track. I would probably would just listen to the album start to finish. I don't have peeps and troughs on it like you did. I think, well, I just, it's very, very one paced. Lots of bits of songs remind me of um, like uh, probably the last decade of like Image and Heap. But I always feel like the song's go somewhere so like the first half of the song will often sound like that and then there'll be an expansive bit or sometimes just a complete departure from it where like you know the second half of the song will be like thematically completely different um and so I for, for imaging, heap, yeah. yeah sorry whereas this never does that it kind of it often <laughs> does that funk thing weirdly where it kind of hits on a groove and just stick yeah, and it's 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 quite like hypnotic at times. Like that's a kind of positive aspect to me. Like it, it's quite rhythmic as well in some songs. Like it kind of has it'll be on like I don't know some kind of like tune percussion. Like I don't know if it's Glockenspiel or whatever, but like um, where it has this like sort of hypnotic like rhythmic thing that is like throughout the song. It, it's not strong enough like melodically for me over those and there isn't enough changes anywhere else for it to ever draw me in but as like as really nice background music 
yeah, I can see a time and a place where it would be the perfect album to just put on and have nothing else kind of going on and just really, um, yeah, sort of just feel it wash over you. But I didn't have that. It was never the perfect time for me to do that. Never felt that mood. So it never really resonated with me. So I found, yeah, I found it difficult to kind of go back to, but it's just, it's just not doing what I wanted to do. Like yeah. it's, clear, it's clearly meant to be this kind of wash of an album and create this kind of mood and and everything else. And I guess I can see circumstances where it would do that. Yeah, I, it did that for me once, weirdly. So when I first listened to it the first couple of times, I was pretty underwhelmed. I think compositionally it's pretty dull. And it's quite mathematical in its approach. It is just like, here's a building block which re- repeats throughout the entire track, as as you say, and then we'll add layers upon that. And I don't know, it's, it's not particularly inspiring, but you said it before, Andy, and it, it weirdly it has this had this sort of insidious thing where then for some reason on another listen, in the right circumstances, I was quite hypnotised by it. Um, and it, it, it rose up for me then. And I was like, this is actually quite good. And I suddenly started appreciating the, the choice of instrumentation. And I still like some of that stuff. Like I like the sort of sliding, uh, glissando cellos that are used a lot. It's just a cool sound. I like the tuned percussion, even the sort of repetitive piano sort of figures, which form the basis of, of the tunes was starting to grow on me a bit. I was just like, yeah, no, this has got a bit of a vibe to it. But then that, similar to you, Will, uh, waned uh, after that. It's just sort of had its moment and then it it dipped off again. And ultimately, it's, it's not really my kind of thing because it doesn't... <laughs> Melodically and harmonically, it's just that it's not doing much at all. It's mm-hmm. just It's just atmosphere. There's only one or two occasions. I think there's a Trojan horse mm-hmm. where it starts and most of the songs start with, to me, which very sort of unoriginal two chord sequence. It's either two chords or just like one lengthy chord, which is sort of repeated. Um, and anytime it does that two chord pattern, they're incredibly generic. Like it's just kind of like, you know, a major chord to the relative minor or something like that and it just repeats it over and over trojan horse has a section where it slightly changes about two and a half minutes in and i think it's the garden grows bit and suddenly it sounds like grizzly bear and the vocal melody is actually interesting and there's like leaps in the vocal melody which go to interesting notes and that kind of thing it's like oh this is cool but that's like a minute of five minute song and yeah, I appreciate that. I've been rambling a bit, but I'll, I'll just finish by saying I think the issue for me is this album says everything it's got to say in the first three songs, mm-hmm. which I think are the three best on the album. And after that, there's nothing new. It doesn't reach those heights again, if you want to call them heights. But I think if you just take the first three songs in isolation, it's pretty cool. It reminds me of Hollow Knight, but again, the... Uh, the composition is not as strong as it is in Hollow Knight. Yeah, yeah. I'm like with you for the most part of that. Like, I agree. The first three songs 
are the best. I do. I quite like Trojan horses, um, despite its five five and a half minute length. I don't like there um, being no no differences here, but I would say the first two songs in Trojan Horse are my favourite three songs mm-hmm. on the album. Um, I also quite like the, the title track "Citizen of Glass," but mainly just because I like it's. It's also pretty short, two fifty, but I like it's uh, almost like um, TikTok, like clock clock rhythm. Uh, it's kind of got a side so off off beak in the TikTok thing, which I find pleasing. some of the, the worst um, demonstrators of the things I don't like about this album, which I think they're the most kind of straightforward and plain. But Familiar is the one that was on Dark, or at least the one I, I noticed on Dark. And it, obviously it's the chorus in that, which is the only yeah, time... It's, it's the standout, isn't it? Yeah. But it's the only time that her voice is like affected beyond, I don't know, whatever, simple chorus or compression or whatever. So the first time I heard Agnes Obel, that was my impression of what. In fact, I, I thought it. I thought it was a man initially. Um, I, I I thought it was a male backing chorus. But it's I, just I've not sort of, looked into it. It's just but, a huge pitch shift. Like it's. Uh, oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. It's all, it's all, all effect. Yeah, I kind of wish she'd used that or some other similar things throughout this album. Like uh, it, it stands out both as the, the track that got me into the album initially, but also just like the most interesting and memorable because of that. I think. Did you both listen to the album sort of in full, like most of the times? Yep. Yeah. Can yep. you listen to it? Because I don't think that the the first couple of songs are my favourites as well, but. I don't I don't think there's a massive drop off. I just think I'm just tired of it by the time it gets to the end of it. I wonder if I just listened to the album in reverse, whether the first, the last three songs, <laughs> you know, whether like Mary and Grasshopper would like resonate with no, me. I or I don't, I, are they that much worse? I mean, perhaps, like they do yes. a very they do a very similar <laughs> they do a very similar thing, and I don't think melodically they, they don't. the first few songs are way more interesting 
they you know, they have they have far fuller arrangements. I think that's that's part of it. Like Stretch Your Eyes, the very first track starts with a, a really nice, like quite expansive arrangement, and as you say, it isn't really hit again. And then I say, like Familiar's got the mm-hmm. probably, the, probably the best chorus on the album. Um, yeah. So I think I think there are things that make them like stand out as better. But I kind of, I sort of agree with you. I do like Red Virgin Soil um, for the most part. But kind of from three to ten, if you'd put them in a different order, then yeah, maybe my appreciation for different songs would alter with just how far my patience <laughs> runs up to. It's, it makes it sound like I really didn't like it. I don't really mean to be that negative. It's just like I, I don't think it's really terrible. No, neither do I. I can absolutely see. Um, I've only seen a few episodes of Dark. I, Actually, another thing that seems right up my uh, my street, and I just didn't didn't click and get into. <laughs> but um, I can one hundred percent see why hearing it on the dark soundtrack, it would like absolutely like resonate. It, it's almost film like feel. It's quite like cinematic in its in its feel. Sure, like yeah. I, I think it's it's it probably works better as a soundtrack than it probably does as an album. It's modern cinematic, though, isn't it? It's not. It's cinematic in the sense of like it fits in with modern sensibilities, like the. Well, yeah, it's 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 not melodically strong, but like, yeah, agreed. Um, but it's that like mood creating, I guess. Definitely. Um, but I again, like I, I suppose my point is, I feel like if another track was on, I I, I get why familiar like stands out to you more, but I feel like if another track was on dark it would still sort of perfectly fit the yeah I did. <laughs> the mood the mood of the soundtrack and sort of like that uh, i feel like that would still resonate i think like. it's happening again the fourth track is in dark and weirdly enough she's been like one of those you, you know and somebody buys a car and then suddenly you see that car everywhere now yeah. now that i've heard her voice i'm hearing it in adverts and there was a bbc show called vigil and she like did the soundtrack or the opening credits for that Having never heard of her for decades, like um, yeah, suddenly she's all over the shop. I think ultimately it's one of those, and I don't. I used to use this as a criticism way more than I do now, but it's it's definitely pertinent here, which is to say that if you took those songs and just had her at a piano playing them, you know, dead, there there'd, there'd be very very little appealing i think it's all about the production and the arrangements really yeah i think that's i think it lives it lives off those things and there's nothing wrong with that but there's there's, you know there's not i don't feel like there's songwriting there really it just yeah i kind of agree and actually i'm exactly the same because i always used to use that as a barometer like can you strip everything away from the song can it still work as a song and i don't really do that anymore because there's just there are genres of music that don't function like that. Of course. But I still think if you come if you're coming down to like bass songwriting, then I agree with you. Like it's just I just keep coming back to the melodic thing. It's not just the vocals, it's any sort of melody. Like they're all very they're very much a wash. Like mm-hmm. there's no that like they're nice and kind of appropriate for the vibe. Mm-hmm. But 
they're not interesting. No, and they, they just don't hold up to re-listen, really, do they? Like even familiar again. The, probably my favorite track on the album has like a little. You're fairly familiar with I am it. I'm fairly but... familiar, but it has that like little sort of like cello refrain at the end. Yeah, I like and that. I quite like it, but it is just the same like sort of riff four times, and then it's done, <laughs> and then. <laughs> The song sort of continues again. And I think in those opportunities to perhaps be a bit more expressive or expansive in the songwriting are not taken. I think like there's an obvious comparison with um, like Bjork as well. Mm-hmm. So I think there are, there, are, there are parts that are very like Bjork-esque and I certainly get like kind of slightly dark uh scandy <laughs> like yeah. vibe to it and um i mean we literally did an album of bjorg's wife how it went too far and think nothing resonated with me because oh, it was oh, so God. like disparate and didn't gel but so she's like, I, I, she's from I, sorry okay. i was just gonna say like i appreciate the invention there like it did it, it needed that like bjorg <laughs> bjorg invention mm. for me mm-hmm. uh, in something like to for it to for it to click, I think. Oh, she's dangerous. Is that what you were? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, she's based in Berlin, and I think that's Germany is probably a like key audience. But uh, yeah, she's Danish, so definitely got a little of the Scandinavian about her. I'm sure, I've got a huge, huge amount more. I don't think there is too much more to say. It's it's it is what it is, isn't it? It's. I just... think it's interesting that you've had like a moment with it. Obviously, I listened to it a year ago and had my, I think I had my moment then. And yeah. Andy, you at least saw the potential for having said moment. <laughs> it's just I interesting just... that it is that thing that sort of in a five minute space, it just works really well. And then kind of never again. I, I think like, I, w- I was thinking about like when we, when we recorded our second album. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert, we were in a, that's not spoiler. <laughs> we it's going to be a together. big reveal on the episode 100. <laughs> it's us all along, guys, your favourite band. <laughs> I can imagine circumstance like when we were in the middle of nowhere in Wales in like a little hut that we were basically we'll shout staying out Monkey in. Monkey Studios. Assume they're still Monkey Studios. Work. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, so you know, surrounded by like you know, gorgeous little landscapes and stuff, really nice place. And the last album of the night, somebody whacks that on. Like we've had a few beers, we're all just sitting, chilling, nobody's saying much. I can imagine that it'd be absolutely perfect. I'd just be, I'd be so into the, like the vibe of mm-hmm. it. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a little fire going. <laughs> um, Love it. So yeah, I can. So yeah, I can see. I can see the potential for the for the album really, really landing. But yeah, me me cooking in my kitchen and putting it on. It's, it was, uh, it's funny how your image that. of it working is, you know, a warm social gathering, whereas mine would be wandering the streets lonely at night, freezing, having it loud on headphones. <laughs> well, um, to take my traditional no. stance in the middle, I'm also outside, but I'm nicely wrapped up. Now I could also see me going for a solo walk and being in the hills and there being a really bleak landscape, you know, like a uh, like I've gone I've gone up to Scotland and there's nothing for two miles around me. 
yeah, I can I can see it working there as well. I don't want it. I don't want it raining. I don't want it to be cold. Though, Mark. Sorry. I don't. I don't necessarily want it to be cold. I just. <laughs> <laughs> It just, it just, it just is. strikes me as that that would be the 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 moment. I can't remember what the moment was for me. I, I may have been doing just that. So, like, <laughs> you do wander the streets at night a lot. I, so. I do. Bang I do. on all the windows. You're a menace. <laughs> uh, Good. So, are we are we at scoring time? Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't know what to give it though. Someone else can go first. I'll go six. Okay, that's good. I, I'm well. You, you do your, your thing first. <laughs> I, I don't have more of a thing. It's it's just yeah. I feel it's slightly better than average. Well, I don't think it's better than average actually. <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm giving it a six. Whatever. It's a See, six out of ten. It, when you just said six without without your spiel. I'm teetering between a five and a six as well. And mm-hmm. you haven't helped to make my decision because I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm making exactly that judgment in my head. Like, is it better than than average? Well, just, just by I, virtue, by virtue of the fact that we've both at least had a few minutes where we were like, this is quite captivating. That's true. Whereas I, I don't think you get that at all with a five out of ten. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's convinced me. And I think there are five songs on it I like and five less, so that's the five points. One extra point for the moment, six. <laughs> and Andy never had the moment, it. so I'm assuming he's going to go for a five or possibly even push the boat out to a four. I mean, in, in, if there's any justice in the world. Yeah. So I was between a five and a six as well. I am going to score it a five, but not actually for the reasons that you've given. Um, I was just trying to think whether I would score it entirely on my actual enjoyment of it or like my potential enjoyment basically mm-hmm. like I was thinking like do I just do I just score it basically on on how I felt about the album and the fact is I could arguably score it lower than a five on my enjoyment of the album so pushing it up to a six because I think like there is a, a perfect synergy where it might work as an album it feels like a weird a weird five to give it because it's it, it's not it doesn't feel like a berry. No. But I, I but I really struggled to listen to it. I didn't every time I listened to it, I didn't I didn't find myself getting anything more out of it. It's a big indicator, isn't it, when it's a chore to come back to. <laughs> and like I always listen to it as a whole, but I definitely stopped before the end of the album a couple of times because I was just bored and wanted to listen to something else. And I've been on holiday since you picked it. So I downloaded a few albums for the flight and I didn't bother downloading it because I knew I didn't want <laughs> yeah. to listen to it. Like, I'd what, like four or five hours of flight so, time. Sounds, and I was like, I don't, sounds like a four to me, want, mate. I don't want to pick it. But, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with the five because I, because of that, like, that possibility of it one day landing. And, you know, there's not many fours or fives that I could potentially listen to again. But Is there a terminology for like future nostalgia? An extra point for the love you might have for this album in the future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to coin, coin a term for it now? I mean, No thinking time to come up with it. Fustalgia. 
lovely. That's the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> good. We always come up with them completely on the fly. Uh, right, good. Well, that's all that. A bit of a shame, I think, that album had a real moment for me, probably, yeah, about this time last year. And uh didn't quite hold up. But uh, onwards and upwards, whose choice is it next? It's mine. Marco. Yeah. Well, uh, got for us? Well, film-wise, last time I went for a 1960s black and white film. Let's put a mix out this time and go with a 1960s black and white film, <laughs> which is The Hill by Sidney Lumet or Lumet, uh, which I've mentioned to you boys already, but I want to do that. Album-wise has been a nightmare because... I've cycled through about 10 to 15 options, and the problem is I've listened to all of them. And um, I just don't want to listen to them again. <laughs> so as much as some of them I'd like to hear what you guys think, I just can't be bothered to uh, to do my diligence. So, right, it's, it's been threatened for a long time, and it's happening, because I, I can't think of anything else. And um, it, we're doing Will Young. Keep on by Will Young. Keep on. My my Spotify is is already trashed. You have to. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. I, I'm excited about this one. Uh, well, we've done a film. We've done an album. So that's going to be all from us at the Screen and Needle Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and join us next time where we'll do another film and another album, quite predictably. Bye.